passion, drive, and patience. The formula of winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything for you to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has it covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices that you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP it needs to be and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Again, ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. He is a dude. He's very funny. He wants more money and more mic time. He's got anxiety. He's got depression. He takes pills so he doesn't lose his mind. He's just a fuck boy. He's not your boy toy. He is our sexy boy. He's not your boy toy. Direct deposits. Profits. He's picking pockets when his daughter's around. He stole dumbbells. He's building muscles. He's digging tunnels deep under the ground. He's just a fuck boy. He's not your boy toy. He is our Sethi boy. It is. He's not your boy toy. Clement Clutch. Welcome to uh, Clement Kush. You know, since this is a podcast, we don't have as many rules as we do like regular radio. Wait, so what does that mean? You're eating or we can cuss? Oh, no. Both. Oh, no. I remember when you used to do this. Eating when I some listen- fucking chips, cuz. Oh, man. When I listened in college, you used to eat on the radio. I was like, what the fuck is he doing? Yeah, and you're like, man, that's so unheard of. I, I was like, he's fucking doing it. Yeah, I was like, this is... This- what the f- what are you doing? Jesus Christ. I feel like you're getting ready to watch a football game or something. Oh. You got any queso tip over there? No. Jeez. You I am to- starving. Okay. I mean, but we could have, we didn't have to start recording now. Oh, yeah, yeah. We did? Why? You on a tight, tight one today? No, I'm not on a tight one. I'm just, I, I'm just over this place. Oh, okay. Did something happen today? Um, I caught some of the show. I mean, you know, we got stuff to talk about, but something happened on the show. You want to let it out. I'm the guy. Um, shout out to John Senny, by the way, loves the parody of, uh, loves the sexy boy parody. Love that guy. Yeah. Mm. I birthed him. He, he, oh, did you kind of discover him? Dude, I took him from promotions and I put him on Drew show. And I mean, let's just be honest. I mean, that's just what happened. I saw, I worked with the guy. I saw. Just like I did with Brent Hatley. How'd you find Brent? He was working promotions for 98 Rock. And you were like, this guy's got it? Yeah. And they let you take him? Um, yes. They're like, hey, he was doing, um, uh, he was executive producer for the Ron Diaz music-based Thunder 103, 105, when it was 105.5. And that was back, back, what was that, oh, like the yeah. 90s? This was uh, 2000. 2000, okay. 99. Well, I started mornings at, at, at um, 98 Rock in December of 96. Okay. And I had, at that time, Manson... Who also played Ned. I think, Shut up! I think everybody knows that. No! 
Don't yeah. spoil my childhood. <laughs> so then, then I had Cowhead, and um, that was the original deal. And then we folded in Spice Boy after he fucked a tomato live on air. What about when he jumped off the roof of that motel? It was a work. <clears throat> I know, I figured. Yeah, but it was a hell of a work. Dude, what did the he do? fucking work. Did, did he jump off anything? Yeah, here's what he did. So Legendary we, bit, man. We put the phone beside the, like, where the skimmer is on the, on, on the deal. And he was like, okay, I'm here down by the pool. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put the phone down by the, you know, the skimmer right by the, I'm going to put the phone right down by the, pool railing okay. and i'm it's gonna take me a while to get up to the seventh floor because i have to take the elevator so we you know he, he said okay i'm gonna put the phone down well we had and we, we we told everybody he had like a little radio monitor headset deal you know like you know remember the lawn dogs had those radios a little headset yeah. radio deal yeah. <laughs> i'm like okay get one of those so you can monitor and so lead the phone by the pool. So he said, okay. So then, you know, we wait like, you know, four or five minutes as he's making his way up to the supposed top uh, to the seventh to the seventh floor. The story was two spring breakers d- jumped off the fifth floor in uh, like Sand Key or Clearwater uh, and uh, into the into the into the uh, pool and they made it. But one suffered like a broken leg or something like that, and it was a big deal. You're not supposed to jump off your balconies and all that kind of shit. So, By the way, this is happening a lot more now because of social media. A lot of motherfuckers are jumping off, you know, roofs and the, you know what, who knows what not into pools. Like Matt Heller said, I was Tampa so, uh, social media before social media. Oh, if there was social media back then, Bubba, we would we'd be billionaires at this point. Well, yeah, but see, but thank God there wasn't because we were we were social media. If you wanted to hear strippers or, you know, hear a guy do a stunt. Well, yeah, Bubba Raw back then, right? Oh, God, yeah. I mean, do, that was like, that doing was Doing a hundred, hold on, I'm not, I'm not kidding you. I know, I, I promise you, Bubba Raw was doing a hundred thousand a month. I, I, I believe it. A hundred thousand a month. Porno was just coming out of the scene and I don't know if people knew where to find it. And you were pretty much offering it yeah. every day. Yeah, I mean, I was on a you know, I was on satellite, which was, you know, I had an unbelievable global thumbprint, you know, peddling porn. Didn't you get suck jobs from like uh, Sunrise, yeah, Sunset? I got, I mean, I fucked and sucked. Come on, there, you didn't <laughs> yeah. fuck. Oh, oh. On the air? Yeah. <laughs> where? In- Ali- Alicia Class on 98 Rock, Alicia Class, I ate her pussy uh, live on the air. Oh, goodness. I ate her pussy live on the air to the point where she fucking came. And then she's like, man, to look at you, I would say hell no, but you had the best oral skills I've ever had in my entire life. Wow, and that was back then. Yeah. I can't imagine where your oral skills are at now. Well, they've probably diminished. I don't have to oral as much as I used to. Oh, you don't? No. Yeah, well, you just tell the birch trick to get on top. Yeah. Big, Papa, right. big Papa's got to take a nap. Right, right out. Yeah. Right out, let me take a look at those knocks and get off me. Well, a lot of times I just close my eyes and think of some other shit. Uh, like uh, other babes? Well, just, uh, you know what? Let's just make it other shit. Some, I feel like sometimes it looks weird when I close my eyes, so I keep them real open. I try not <clears> to blink. That's probably what freaks Phoebe out so much is that you're fucking wide-eyed. She, want, she, want she wants you to kind of close your eyes and, and, and enjoy. I mean, like, first of all, you need to be in the dark. You don't fuck. You know, like you what fuck in the- What do you mean you fuck? I fuck in the light. Not me. I like to see the, I like to see the titties. I like to fuck in the dark. Why? Because the titties are so big, I can feel them. I know, but what about, like, are you afraid of seeing your body? 
Well, I mean, you know, I mean, look at me. I'm not, I'm yeah, not the but most. I mean, you're uh, you're very comfortable. Like, I'm not, you know, I, I'll fucking take my shirt off. I'll take my pants off. I don't care. Well, I mean, I'm completely nude, but I don't like to have all the lights on and shit. Okay, all right. I, I like. Got my the- own, I got my own setup. You know, I got like I put some spa music on. I put a, I put I put a towel down. What's with the and towel? I bring out, I bring out the coconut oil. The I mean the 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 uh, the coconut uh, lotion. All right, wait, hold on. Before- Co- coconut oil, yeah, coconut oil. Have you, have you fucked with coconut oil? Yes, it's the best. Yeah, you you sent me uh you sent me a big big large vat of it last time. Like I a worked man for you. butter or something like that, right? I don't, no, like- no, it was real coconut oil. Like that you get it, you know, that you get at the store, like Trader Joe's. It was right. real expensive coconut oil. Did, and did you fuck with it? Um, eventually, I believe that I lied to you and said that I did. So I think that I'm just gonna keep going with that. Can I add, before, I didn't want to get you squirreled on fucking and eating uh, vaginas on the air, but is that, so when did you steal Brent? Uh, I stole him, and I, so I went, so Calta was just not working out, just not working out. Is it because he got better seats to a wrestling event than you? Yeah, well, that's part of it, yeah. Oh, okay. Well, for real. Oh, I didn't know, that's what people said over the years. Mm-hmm. I was like, fuck yeah. Yeah, yeah so. <laughs> that's petty we, as shit. We, we were, we were uh, supposed to, you know, I was, you know, I was. Promoting the WWE, we had all the guys call in on my show, and so uh, the I I I was going to go all along, and he was going to go all along. Well, he went to the promotion department; they had the tickets. Mike Oliveira, yeah, and said, "Hey, get me. Uh, I need four tickets, and Bubba needs four tickets." So Mike Oliveira gave him my four and said, "Get these to Bubba. You'll see him tomorrow morning." This was like you know Wednesday. the The matches were like Friday, and so he. Uh, gave me my tickets and they were like you know fifth row and i'm like where's where's the front row ones and he's like i don't know they, this is the best they got so i'm like you know he, he i think he was banking on maybe me not going because they were fifth row I'm, when it <laughs> when every other time that i, I mean i mean i was the absolute i mean i had a fucking 48 share men 18 plus so the wwe was sucking my dick to be on my show <laughs> i mean i mean no for real no, i mean because I, I mean you know what 50% of most men were listening to my show so that they had if they did a promotion did a ticket giveaway had a guest had a you know had hogan had undertaker <laughs> had jericho had all their big stars on my show, which they did. By the way, Royal Rumble in town this weekend. I'm going to fucking be there. Are you really going? Yeah. Yeah, I'm, whatever. What? You're not really going? Yeah, I am. I, I do. I love I love the big, the premium events for WWE. This Royal Rumble is going to be fucking huge. At Tropicana Field. Yeah. Yeah. It's gonna it, be- are they saying they're going to sell it out? Um, they Well, they said this might be the most, they said this might be the most watched wrestling event ever. In history, because of all of the new subscribers that Peacock got last week. Now, I think you might have to pay a little bit more to get WWE, but they're saying that that push and all those people could make this one of the most watched events. You mean ever. because Peacock made out made, made all the football all the football people go over and subscribe to Paramount Plus in order to watch last week's football game? Yeah, the Peacock deal. So I think they're saying that that's why a lot of people could be watching it. But, Bubba, I mean, you got the return of, like, CM Punk. Randy Orton just came back. Roman Reigns has been the champion for three-plus years. When There's, are they going to finally take the belt off that guy? I think it's it's about to happen. They brought The Rock back, and now The Rock's in the mix. So I Oh, think, really? They're, I, they're paying Rock-type freight? Rock came back because Rock might wrestle uh, Roman Reigns. 
But that's because for the, the, for the ultimate deal, then Rock takes the fucking strap and goes to Hollywood. Well, it's the head of the table kind of thing. It's like you know Roman Reigns' whole deal is that he's the head of the table, and you know so Rock comes in and says, "Motherfucker, I was the table before you even thought about being the motherfucking head of the table." Yeah, I mean because they're cousins and stuff. The Rock's like, "Hey, listen, buddy, you know are they not- really cousins yes. in real life? Yes, in real life. Yes, okay, yeah." So they're using it's a whole big family angle. It's been great drama, Bubba. I'm not gonna lie for the last few years. So they're getting him in the mix. Cody Rhodes is gonna be in the mix. So either way, man, the Royal Rumble, and we're taking Little Kush, and she is so excited. She loves the Women's Royal Rumble because it's 30 entrances, Bubba, and each entrance is like a fucking rock star. So that's what's so great about it. So I know she she loves watching women's wrestling, hates watching the guys, loves watching the women. Does she turn around and like, like look at the rafters when the guys are out, like in protest? Or she, does she, well, you know. No, well, we haven't been to a live event yet, but when we're watching on TV. She is fucking pissed when you should have used. Are- you should have used the name. And my footer <clears throat> to get you some good tickets. You know, you can do that. I know. I didn't even, Anna does it all the time. Really? Yeah. I didn't even think about it. Well, Phoebe got them from her job. So we're going to, I think we're going to be in a suite. So, luckily, okay. Yeah, yeah. So luckily, we won't have to be around too many common wrestling fans. So, listen. So, back to the, the Calta deal. So, <clears throat> so I got like fifth row. And I go, I, I, I now you got to understand, Seth, when, and, and I'm not bragging. This is just. Strictly facts. You're saying fifth rows for poor people. No, I'm going to tell you about how I used to roll. When I used to go to the lightning game, like when uh, Steve Ludzik was the coach, and I used to be in, on 98 Rock in the morning and had a fucking however, you know, however, whatever, you know, I was the guy. I can't you test know. that. I lived in town. <clears throat> I mean, you know, I, I don't know that anybody's been bigger than the the morning show domination uh, tenure that I had between 98 Rock and 102.5 The Bone. So when I, think I, Ch- I think Ch- Chad and Chris, you're in the mix, but that debate's for another day. Yeah, right. <laughs> or, or, or or Jade in the morning. Oh, fuck her. Ugh. She was so hot. Whatever. God, she was hot. I don't think so. She. I could I could tell you a secret about that. What? Uh, you banged her? No, I did not. What's this? Is the secret sexual? Mm-hmm. Is it about her being naked? Maybe. You saw her naked? So, <clears throat> anyway, this is probably going to have to be a private deal. Okay, no John problem. John Sinning's probably masturbating right now to it. <laughs> John Sinning's got his pickle out thinking, oh, he, tell me about Jay Donovan. He, tell me about that. You don't think that she was just hot? Well, you worked with her and so probably saw her, you know. <laughs> oh, my like, God. But she was, when she really did upright, man, you don't think that she was hot as fuck? Yeah, Bubba, but that's how she got her job. She didn't get it off any fucking talent whatsoever. I had never worked with anybody as as is talentless. I had never worked with anybody that lacked talent or radio ability like her. When I got put in the room with her and I had to run the board for her and I had to discuss content with her, I go, how in the fuck did she get this job? Oh, yeah, it's because how she looks. I hate that shit. Give me an ugly, talented motherfucker any day. Like myself. Yeah, exactly. Anyway, so. Yeah, sorry, sorry. So when Keith Lawless was coming to me, he's like, man, we want to start a new Top 40 morning show. And this girl from, listen, I mean, I used, they used to ask me all kinds of shit. And he's like, what do you think about that girl from XL with Johnny? I go, oh, the girl that came from Seattle that got like the, because they did a drink and a water gimmick deal. And, you know, she got. Yes, you know, Sacramento. Kinda, a wee, hold your wee for a wee. Yeah. I said, I think she's hot as fuck. I don't know how good she is on the radio, but man, she'd look good, you know. On billboards and stuff. On billboards. 
And he's like, I think we're going to hire her and make it a real strong female based deal. And then have a you know a guy come in. I didn't like you know I didn't know it was going to be you, fuck boy. That I was the, be the, Bubba, you I, were you were that's the beginning of the fuck boy. Bubba, I was the third <laughs> guy they brought in. I didn't. I didn't. Oh, get, you were. I yeah. I Who was, was the, the initial guy? Special Ed. Oh, I didn't. I did not know I that. Think, or there or is Dick Grange? It was somebody, and then. 97X, that's when they got rid of everybody, and then they put me with her. And then I was good, with- which was actually a pretty good pretty good thing. I was a pretty good idea on their behalf. Like, we'll bring a guy who knows a lot about radio in her to, to you know, to comb her and to teach her. And that's what you did, right? But you were frustrated in doing that because you realized that her her looks probably had a lot to do with her career. Well, I just I just saw how she was. I saw how she carried herself. I saw her ego. And then I saw her ability. And I just didn't think it all matched up. And, you know, listen, I don't know. I've been in radio 22-something years. Do I know anything? I don't fucking know. But all I could figure out from working with her is that she got the job based off her looks. And I guess that's fine, I guess. But it did not work out here. Didn't, did she ever do good? Did she like did 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 the show ever do well? Um, I don't think so. I mean, I think we were probably outside of the top five the majority of the time that I was there. They had her on a three minute you know talk break time, and sometimes she would talk for ten minutes, and it just like it just would it was just would bad. they would they get on you about it? Be like, listen, you're the guy in the room, and they're they're supposed to be corralling her. Um, not really. I think they. I mean. My boss was Tim Clark at the time, who I was friends with. So, I mean, I think he knew he knew what I brought to the table, and he knew how Jade was. So, I don't think he put any of that stuff on me. Right. So, whatever. It was a good experience working over there, but uh, it sucked my soul. The content uh, was not my favorite. Talking about the Kardashians every single day, and you know, and then um, luckily Drew, you know, got me off that show onto his. Right. So, so anyway, you're talking about you know the rest, the big urban legend within the market place that uh, I fired Cowhead based on WWE tickets. Yeah. And, and it is how, how is the story told to you? Cause I'll tell, cause I'm going to tell you the truth. Tell me how the urban lore, uh, you know, when, when you and, 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 and John Senning and Drew Garabo would sit around the campfire and say, man, I heard one time Bubba fired Calta over some fucking uh, WWE tickets. That, Bubba's a real fucking asshole. What do you think? We turned into a bunch of hicks when we no, would sit No, but around? I mean, like, you know, were you, were you anti-Bubba on the deal or were like, how was the story told? Um, to be honest with you, I feel like it's something I heard more about earlier in my radio career and maybe it was something that we talked about more so like when Calta came into the building you know however many years ago it was but it was pretty much that you know when you guys were having your your battles on the air people would say that it stemmed from you firing him because he got better wrestling tickets than you which I did not believe even at the time as a young man I was like that's an insane reason to fucking fire somebody well so it's truthful <laughs> and, and so we go we he goes and gives him and Pete and two other jamokes uh fucking front row Willie which you know so now you got to understand when I used to go to the either the Tampa Bay Lightning game or Disney on Ice with with, with Tyler or I would go to the wrestling or anything at Amelie Arena when it was called you know just the Ice Palace or whatever I was such a they handled me with such kid gloves and VIP'd me so much that I literally parked it back where the play. They, I parked back where the players did. Okay, walked in through the back entrance 
through the backstage area, Shit. and then they would take me to my to to my seats. And when Steve Ludzik was there, that's like Taylor Swift. That's like how they treat Taylor Swift at the Chiefs games. Yeah, and so <laughs> hold on, and so. When uh, when Steve Ludzik was there, he was my friend, and I would go. No shit, I'm not kidding you, Drew. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not kidding you, Seth. I would literally after the game walk down into the head coach's office and then go to and then go into the locker room and talk to Chris Gratton and and uh, who was the Roman mom? Hammerlick, uh, Roman Hammerlick, uh, Enrico Ciccone. Remember him? Oh yeah, yeah. Um, who uh, Sean Burr. Um, uh, Kevin Weeks, Darren Poopa. Uh, uh, Dar- well, he, Darren Poopa was already gone. Was he gone? Okay. Um, the uh, who was the one guy? Uh, fuck, uh, little uh, Dino Cicerelli. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. I would, I would be down there after the game. Did they want you down there? Yes, they were my boys. Oh, they were okay. Yeah, I, and so Ludzik would be like, "Hey, man, come sit in here." And I'd go sit in the fucking, and then I'd walk. And when I was done, I would walk through the players' dressing room. Back to the Sally Port, back by the Zamboni machine, right out the door into my car. And then when I was pulling out, there's fans, you know, on the car. They were like, ah, bah, 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 bah. <laughs> because they all wait for the players yeah. to, to pull out. They'd be like, ah, bah, bah. so WWE, half the time WWE came to town, I sometimes was a dark match with the Texas Hangman. <laughs> so, <clears throat> so I would pull up. As one of the, I mean, I would, lit, I would legitimately need to be back there. Did they pay the line, you? Yeah, five hundred. Oh, 500? Okay. They they would pay me five hundred. That's fine. I mean, you would you would do it for free, yeah, right? I mean, you know, the exposure. Yeah. You know, you're in front of, you know, thirteen thousand people right before the event starts, and we would. I remember one time Stone Cold. Uh, took Texas Hangman, Hangman by, God damn, I got to tell you, you motherfuckers got the biggest pop uh, uh, that I've heard of a dark match ever. <laughs> Did he really? What, you, you, your match with Hangman? Stone Cold said that? Yeah, Stone Cold, because the boys would watch, the boys literally had a monitor, and there, there's, there's a television monitor in the dressing room so the boys can see what's going on. There's also a television monitor in the gorilla position, which is right behind the black curtain before they walk out. So the boys either conjugate in the gorilla position or in the in the locker room. And so there's monitors, you know, in both. And they would watch every match. They would be, be you know, catching a glimpse, and they would hear the fucking crowd, you know, you could hear them pop. And say, who the fuck's out there getting this type of uh, response this early on? You know, usually dark matches are matches that aren't on TV, but there are a couple warm-up matches from a couple guys they're looking at on the, uh, you know, on the... Up-and-comers, um, right, you know, or the, on the way down. Right. But one of the two, either Hacksaw Jim Duggan on the way up or way down. One of the two. <laughs> Brooklyn right? Brawler. Right, exactly. The fucking Mean Street Posse, <laughs> you know? And so uh, they're like, they're hearing, us, they're hearing me and the fucking hangman and just fucking absolutely tear the place down because you understand when we wrestled, we fucking laid it in there. Like he, w- I would literally have a bruised face and bruised ribs. So you work stiff, right? We work so fucking stiff. I mean, like you wouldn't believe we do. We had this one high spot where he threw me out of the ring <laughs> and then I get as close as I could to the guardrail and then literally he would choke me the fuck out for real. Jesus, Like man. for real, because you got to understand the fans are right there. Yeah. They're like from as close as from you to your, to your, to your, to your computer monitor. You know, they're just looking over the railing and there I am laid out. And so you just can't lightly choke a guy out because you're like, man, I was right there. In it. Instead, you choke the absolute fuck out of him, and the guy goes back home and says, "Listen, I don't know about you guys, but fucking pro wrestling's brutal. I saw this <laughs> Bubba got choked the fuck out within an inch of his life." So, 
The, the what bull- was the outcome? Oh, I always won. Oh, you. Always, I mean, I always won because you were like home. That was your. Yeah, no, okay. yeah. I was. I was. I was. I was the. I was. Well, the hangman know. had to do a job to you. Oh, the hangman did probably twenty five clean in the middle. Fucking one, two, three. Is that clean. the one? Who, is that the one who was at the party? Yeah, he was at the party. Oh, well, I'm sh- gonna wear his. Oh, he's got a throwback Texas hangman shirt that I'm wearing tomorrow. He had to take twenty five clean. He well, he in did. The middle he of the probably ring? did ten WWE. And then when Hogan, when I when, when I was hooked up with Hogan at WCW, I was the opening match every in any one of my Jacksonville. I was the opening match, Orlando. I was the opening match. Fort Myers would be the opening match. Tampa. I'd be so when WCW came came to the state, I'd do five six jobs in every city that I was oh, syndicated. Man, and so Hangman had to do clean every fucking time. <laughs> Poor fucking Hangman. Poor, I know. Shit. But, but he got a fucking a five hundred dollar fucking payday for the deal. Hey, remember it was like Matt Riddle told us he's like. I'll he's like I'll do a job but you're going to have to pay me for it. Right. It has to make sense. Yeah. So I got to tell you this so before let me close out the cowhead This was all uh, about how Brent became on your show. I know, but, but, yeah. but, 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 but let me close out the cowhead yeah. ticket deal because I have a story that, that I've only told a few times. <laughs> and it and it involved Mark Calloway the Undertaker. Okay. Who is the absolute epitome of knowing the business, doing the right thing and doing what's right for business. For what is right for the business, not your ego, not but what's what is what is the true, purest, right thing to do for to protect the business. Well, besides those last couple of years, he might have hung on a little too long. Well, I'm just, but but, yeah. what I'm, but what I'm saying yeah, is, no, like, I know, I know. he was the longest he's ever for the in the history of WWE WWF. He's the longest tenured guy ever. And in about half of his career, he ran the dressing room. No one has ever said, and you, re, you know, I don't know, you, you hear from over the years, whether it's interviews or shit online, you've never heard one person say anything bad about him. No, because you know why? He ran the dressing room. They had they had taker court sometimes, where two dudes would be fucking, you know, have a, ha, <laughs> no. They the two dudes would be like having a like a little bit of a disagreement on career. Yeah, like, like where, what, like Mister Perfect, yeah, and you know, well, no, be, be like Tito Santana. Yeah, they literally. Tito Santana and Mr. Perfect could be like, you know, listen, I'm not fucking doing that. And then, you know, Tito would be like, yeah, you got it. Pat Patterson and and Jerry Briscoe, who are the agents, the agents backstage, they're the ones that call the fucking finishes. So like Jerry Briscoe or Pat Patterson or Johnny Laronitis, they would go up to, let's say, Jericho and uh, let's say Jericho and Goldberg were working. Okay. And, and by the way, Jericho hated working for Goldberg because Goldberg never sold. Everybody fucking hates yeah, Goldberg. That, that's man. a bad example. Let's say Jericho's wrestling. You know, I think uh, I think Goldberg almost killed Bret Hart. I think with a botched yeah, move. But yeah. Anyway, let's say Disco Inferno is 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 is, 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 is wrestling Sean Waltman. Okay, man, I hope people appreciate that reference, Bubba. And they do. Let's say Disco because I because I, I I actually witnessed this. Let's let, let's say that Sean Waltman's fight. Uh, I I don't. I, I don't know. X Pac. Two two wrestlers. Have, I get you. They have a dis. Two wrestlers, no matter who the fuck they are, and and less and less they were three. There's only three people the Taker really didn't call the shots on, and that was Scott Hall, Kevin Nash, and Hogan. Even before, like you got to understand that that, that they Even all went when, on. Like the Rock and Austin were there. Oh fuck yeah! And Triple H, yes. Shawn well, Michaels, yes. Okay, yes. Interesting. Now, now Triple H was a little bit immune to it because he is management. You know, he 
the most part of his career after he hooked up with Stephanie, he was management. So he wasn't really one of the boys. Even, even when though, he was even working? The, even, well, when he was working, he listened to Taker. Okay. So t- let's say, you know, let's say Randy Orton and, uh, th- th- yeah, Randy Orton and Triple H have a problem. Now, this is before Triple H has become, you know, Vince's uh, son-in-law. And Triple H uh, walks up and they're like, man, you know, I don't want to... I don't want to do one clean in the middle in the, you know, Johnny Laronitis and Pat 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 Patterson and Briscoe is saying that the that that Vince wants, you know, Hunter to lay down, you know, do a job for uh Orton. And it just they're just they're at a creative you know, impasse. Taker would come in and say, you know, how it's going to be. I mean that's it was great they had a guy like that. I mean he ran the he ran the dressing room. He ran it. He fucking ran the dressing room and let me give you an example. So, a one time I'm supposed to be a dark match at the USF Sundome which is now what the Yingling Center? Yeah. All right. What a piece so, of shit. Yeah. So, WW, WWE is and, and it's one of the times that I they they didn't have hang they didn't they didn't figure the hang I think I think I'd already done the hangman gimmick you know like maybe a couple months prior, so they're back in town and I, and I think I mean I done the hangman gimmick with like the WCW okay so WWF comes to town and they're like we don't want you to do the hangman gimmick here's what we want to do, so I'm backstage and 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 Jerry Briscoe and and Pat Patterson are the two bookers in charge, and they're laying out what I'm going to do and they're like listen okay here you go. Remember, do you remember the Mean Street Posse? Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. So he said, "Listen, you're gonna Jerry Briscoe is gonna go out there as a referee and introduce, you know, Tampa's hometown hero, Bubba Clem, Bubba the Love Sponge. The crowd's gonna pop. Briscoe's gonna just uh, get get on the microphone and say, Bubba, you know, we appreciate your promotion on the radio. All the boys love you. This is your town. Uh, everybody, give a big round uh, of applause for Bubba the Love Sponge, and then." At that time, while I'm raising your hand in the air, the Mean Street Posse are going to come in from behind and knock you over the head with a chair. <laughs> no, 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 for, for real, for real. Oh, knock you over the head with a fucking chair and lay you out. Okay, you, you, hard, hard sell, hard sell the fucking chair. Okay, it's hard, a real chair though. Bob. Oh no, it's you a real hard sell a no, chair you, shot. No, you do. You got to hard sell it. It's a chair to the yeah, fucking but, head. Yeah, but they, they they lay it in like they know. You know, it's it looks a lot worse than it really can be. Does it re- You're supposed to put your hand up last minute, but they were coming in from behind, so they were going to do it right across my back. Okay. Okay. <laughs> and so they come in. That so this this is Pat Patterson and Jerry Briscoe, who are the agents. They are the two guys that are that call all the matches. Okay. I mean, they're the ones that you know Vince, Vince, and whoever the creative writing team. They have written the show, and then now it's the agents' responsibility to tell the boys what the show is. Execute Vince's vision. <clears throat> right. So, Vince never worried about my shit. I was just a dark match, right? No, he was probably fucking some of the divas back there right, while you were Right, exactly. Wrestling. Why they're worried about, you know, Bubba gets fucking laid out with a Mean Street posse. Right. Vince is like, man, give me give me the opening match of the night, not the fucking dark match, okay? <laughs> so, so Jerry Briscoe says, so listen, Mean Street posse is going to come in from behind, and they're going to whack you in the back, in the back, in the back, fall down, Okay. Uh, and then they're going to go, and we're going to strategically put you in the corner, and one of them is going to try to go off the top rope. You're going to roll at that time, okay? He's going to hurt himself from missing the deal, right? And then you're going to go start laying the boots to the guy that tried to fucking go off the top rope on you. Then the other Mean Street posse guy is going to clothesline you, 
boom, and... This and, is a lot to remember. No, not really. Okay. I mean, yes and no. I'm but, getting but, scared but, just hearing this thing about you, having I mean, another I, mean, I, I, I was trained by the great Tom Stone and, and, and out of the Milwaukee region, Jake Milliman, Jake yeah. the Milkman Milliman. Of course. <clears throat> and so, you know... I knew so. Here's here's a spot. I'm out in the middle. Get blindsided with the back of the chair. Supercell the chair. Strategically put yourself in the corner so the guy can go off the top. He acts like he's going to go off the top. He goes off the top. You roll last minute. He hurts himself for missing the high spot. You're gonna you go start laying the boots to him. You then try to go up to the second. You get intercepted by the other Mean Street posse. Nut, nut shot yourself on the ropes. <laughs> wait, fall, wait. fall down. Fall down. And the Mean Street posse covers you. One, two, three. And the fucking crowd goes crazy. Okay. And then you hobble yourself out. Wait, the mean, you had to, we're going to have to do a job. So, so listen, hear me out. Okay. So hear me out. So I, I'm just excited to be there. I mean, there's like, you know, I think that fits about 9,500 to 10 grand, you know, wrestling. And so there's 10,000 people out there and I'm getting to be, you know, I get to wear my 98 rock shirt. I'm going to get interested. And then that there's a certain amount of, you know, you're getting the fact that you are at least good enough to be an opening match for WWE. Right. I mean, you get, you get that rub. So they, they lay this all out for me. Now, Taker, Taker's, the agent's room we're always in kind of within the boys' dressing room, but like in another little room. And Taker always had the first locker by where, you know, the agent's office was. Okay. And Taker's getting ready for his match. And, you know, he's like, I think he's got his singlet on, but his chest is hanging out. And he's like, you know, he's putting his boots on, just kind of taking his time. And they call, they call that angle. And I'm like, I'm good. I'm like, all right, good. Taker goes, no. Nope. And I go, what? What's what's wrong, Mark? And he goes, that's not how it, Pat, Pat, Jerry. This guy has been on. And now, see, at that time, he lived with his wife Jody in Tierra Verde. So, oh, t- really? So, t- yeah, Taker lived with his wife Jody in Tierra Verde, and he was familiar with how over I was on the radio. No shit, I didn't and know so, that. Yeah, and so he goes. Let me ask you guys. He goes, "Do you guys want to? What? Where are you guys going with this? You're burying the guy that has spent the last month promoting our show." He said, "The last time we were here at the Yingling Center, we did sixty four hundred. Tonight we did ten thousand. It's a sellout, and it probably has a lot to do with this guy right here talking about it every break on the radio. So you're going to bury that guy." And I said, well, "Now we're not on TV." We're not on a pay per view. We're not coming back with this. We're not taking storyline. Yeah, we're not taking this angle to another city. This is just a one off. So why would you bury the guy that has contributed more for the, this particular promotion? Sold it out. Why would you bury the guy in his own hometown without a fucking beat? Pat goes. I'll tell you what we're gonna do, <clears throat> Bubba. You're gonna duck on the chair. It's gonna. Hit- <laughs> It's gonna it's gonna hit Jerry. Jerry's gonna knock himself out. You're gonna then double clothesline the Mean Street Posse. Oh, come off the second rope. One, two, three, clean, and you get your hand raised as the man. And Callaway goes, "You're damn right. That's how we're gonna do it." Wow! Look at that. Yeah, I mean, and he, and he's like, it. 
He really had to. You know what? It was, t- it's, he's, he's, my favorite spring cleaning takeaway is the post clean clarity you get when you're talking through Mint Mobile. I mean, I can't believe that I've been living some other life with all this scratchy mobile when I can get crystal clear and the best mobile through Mint Mobile. And I can do it all for $15 a month when you purchase a three month plan. I can afford this. How much have I been paying on my other plan? Probably getting gouged. But it's time to switch to Mint Mobile and get unlimited talk, text, and data for $15 a month. Say bye-bye to your overpriced wireless plan. I mean, I'm talking jaw-dropping monthly bills and unexpected overages. Say goodbye to all that nonsense. Mint Mobile is here to rescue you with a premium wireless plan starting at 15 bucks a month. All plans come with high-speed data and unlimited talk and text delivered on the largest 5G network. Use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and bring your phone number along with all your existing contacts. Ditch overpriced wireless with Mint Mobile's limited-time deal and get three months of premium wireless service for 15 bucks a month. To get this new customer offer and your three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com forward slash Bubba. That's mintmobile.com forward slash B-U-B-B-A. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com forward slash Bubba. $45 upfront payment required, equivalent to 15 a month. New customers on first three-month plan only. Speed slower above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plans. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Like, it's for the business. Right. For the business, that's why you don't bury a guy. No. Now, if that was on TV and they did, they don't want to make a local DJ look like he was you know, good enough to beat the Mean Street Posse, they don't, that's not a good look. But if it's not on TV, it's only a dark match, and the guy busted his ass for the promotion, we're not going where with anywhere with this angle. Like, like next night we're not in Orlando where I got a chance to avenge it. <clears throat> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's, it's a one-off. And it makes the most business sense. And without missing a beat, Briscoe and Pat Patterson both fucking did a three, did a one eighty. And I fucking I I I pinned one of the Mean Street Posse clean in the middle. Now don't think back in the dressing room they weren't mad about that. Oh, I'm sure because they're like we had to do a fucking job for a radio guy, man. Are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> oh, and the worst heat I ever got is when Hogan they had this show in Memphis. This Jerry Lawler put on an independent show in, in Memphis, and um, uh, Hogan got me $5,000 to wrestle with Brutus tag team against the Killer Bees, which were just two jobbers in the masks. Have you shown and, that video before? No, I think we got it somewhere. I feel like, I, I feel like, you, I feel like I've seen that. Yeah, we did a song about it. And uh, I could probably get you the video. So <laughs> great! I so need to whack off. Too. So me, so me and me, me and Ed Leslie, Barbara, the Bruce, Bruce they're now they're now they're paying me, Seth, five thousand dollars to team up. Now this is when I'm on Sirius XM, so they're they're, they're really buying the global promotion is yeah. what they're buying. So I I get two hotel rooms, my wife, my kids, we all go up there, uh, you know, and and I'm I'm traveling, you know, I'm with Hogan. 
So, like, my dressing room is inside of Hogan's dressing room. They all know that it's me, it's me, Brutus, and Hogan. You know, like, we're all together. And so uh, we, we, go to, we go to Hogan and be like, hey, Hogan, what are we supposed to, what, what are me and Eddie doing with this? He goes, man, just go out there, fucking beat the shit out of them, let them get a little bit of heat, reverse it. Then go home, make it about five to seven minutes, let Bubba do the final splash off the second, then unmask them uh, and start take take cut their hair with the uh, with the shears, but don't go too crazy on them because you know that that's where the, the boys get a lot of heat if you take too much hair. Okay. Okay. So I'm like, all right, fucking cool. So we go out there and we're me and Brutus are just laying fucking hammers, just bags of hammers, just fucking spudding the shit out of these two local guys under a mask. You know, and when you're under a mask, people don't know who you are, so you can beat the shit out of them even more. Right. You know, right? So we're beating the shit out of them, spudding the shit out of them. Time to go home. Brutus hot tags me in. I go off the second. Boom. Uh, the guy one two three in the middle. We take that. We take that guy's mask off, and he's all fucking flipped out. Like, oh, don't see my face. Don't see my face. Well, Brutus gets the fucking shears out, and I grab him, and I literally scalp. Like, I, I cut as much hair off as I possibly can with these barber with these you know those big hedge trimmers that he had remember right, yeah. <clears throat> so I didn't know they actually worked oh they worked like a fuck <laughs> so listen to this I cut the guy like really bad like I didn't cut him but I cut his hair so it looked like you know fucking Helen Keller did it <clears throat> so he's go he goes back to the dressing room and we're not in his same dressing room. We're in the Hogan dressing room. So he's back in the boys' dressing room, and he's like, that fucking fat-ass DJ, what the fuck? Hogan brings him in here. Look at my hair. Like, I'm, I'm going to have to shave my head completely in order to get to because it's all patchy and, and shit. he's just a local guy? He's just a local guy. Made okay. like a buck fifty to be there. <clears throat> you know, I'm making $5,000 to spud the shit out of him <laughs> and go over at the at the Memphis, wherever the fucking, wherever they, the big Memphis facility that I think it might have been the FedEx center. Oh, shit, I don't know, Bubba. <clears throat> and so at that, so at that time, they're back here just talking all kinds of shit about me. And I, and um, so Hogan says, "Hey, let's go to the boys' dressing room see how see how they're, see how things are going." Because Hogan wrestled uh, the big show that night. So me and Bart Brutus and Hogan go to the boys' res, res, dressing room, and those two dudes, the two jobbers, they got their backs to us, and they're like, "Yeah, man, fuck those two dudes, man, that's bullshit." Hogan goes, "What's up, everybody?" I instantaneously turn around, and be like, "Oh man, thanks for letting us work, those guys, man, Hogan, that was great and shit." Yeah, they, they were fucking, <laughs> and they hated me. They fucking hated me. I mean, you went heavy on them, Bubba. I yeah, mean, you know, I went what hard do you expect? on so the counter deal is this. So we go to we go to the matches, and I'm fifth row Willie. I, I'm thinking that's the best seats that they had for me. You know, I got escorted through the players' lot. You know, through the blah blah blah. And I sit down, and there's fucking Cowhead and Pete, front fucking row, front row where I'm at, where I'm over. Those are my seats. Like, were they directly in front of you, front row, or they were, like, in another section no, front row? No, they, they were, like, I was on, they were, like, um, beside me. Okay. <laughs> so, they were, I could see them. You know, like, you know, I, right. was, I was fourth row, and they were first row, and I can see them, and I'm like, what the fuck, cowhead? He's like, well, you know, uh, the, these tickets came in last minute, and, uh, you know, I, I didn't know what to do. I couldn't get a hold of you, and I was like, so I went, and I went to, I went to work the next day, and I got... I raised an absolute fucking shitstorm with Dan DiLoretto and Mike Mike Oliveira and Brad Harden, the fucking OM. And I'm like, let me tell you something. And so Mike Oliveira got called out on the carpet as to how it all went down. 
And he's like, listen, I gave, you know, eight tickets to Cowhead to give four front rows to Bubba and for him to take the other front rows. I'm sorry, the row fours. Okay. And and so I I fired Cowhead over it. Oh, man. I mean, what do you mean? I mean, what a fucking dick. Four. <laughs> what, 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 hold on. What would you have done? Now you're you're the executive producer. You're not you're not the main guy. The 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 WWE WWF at the time had you know you have given them all this added value. You've you've interviewed four or five of their guys. It doesn't, it's not even about that, but <laughs> it's just about you know somebody being sneaky that's on your staff. Pretty right. Much. I mean, I right. think that it doesn't even have to have to do with the, what kind of promotion you gave WWE. So I mean, what I to me, what I, would you have done? It's tough. It's tough to tell you, Bubba, because. I, I don't steal at all, so, I mean, to, to steal or to try to, you know, do something like that, it's hard to get in that kind of mindset because he knew you were going to be there, and he knew right. you were going to find out, so he must have just done but, the but, ma- but his excuse was, these came in last minute, and they were, the you know, I didn't have, that That was, his, so when we all got into a room, me, Harden, Mike Oliveira, Cowhead, when we all, and Dan DiLoretto, when we all got into a room and Mike Oliveira told the truth, and that is I gave him eight tickets, four of which were supposed to go to Bubba. They were supposed to be, you know, the front rows. He was supposed to take, I thought, I just automatically assumed that he knew that Bubba were, was to get the front rows. I didn't think he was going to. You know, use him for himself. Mike Oliveira is trying to not get not get his ass fired. Sure, and so story of his life. Yeah, let's not forget you. Now you are familiar with the fact that for to all of 2008 and all of 2009, I paid him thirty thousand additional dollars up and beyond Cox. You knew. Do you do know that? Don't you? Yes, you did tell me that. He didn't. He was getting ready to get blown out. And Mike Olivero, not not Calta. No, yeah, Mike Olivero was getting ready to get blown out of 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 Clear Channel iHeart at the time, and I'm getting. I just signed a new, you know, big huge deal with Cox, and I I tell Jay O'Connor, I'm like, listen, we need to hire the promotion guy from iHeart, uh, Mike Olivero, and he need, and he needs like uh, eighty grand a year. That's what he's making. And Jay O'Connor's like, listen, I can come up with sixty, but I can't pay eighty. And I said, like, listen, I really want this guy. I mean, Mike, if I, my, if Mike Oliveira was to be intellectually honest, just like Drew was to be intellectually honest, and who got him back in radio? You know, I know that when Drew hated me for 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 a little bit of time, he said that Billy Madison got him back in. But Drew knows who got him back in. Hell, I got fucking complete Drew, the Drew Garabo shows on <clears throat> on Radio IO. Keith Law, Keith Keith Lawless, and and came to me when uh, it was time to hire Drew and ask me who you'd put in middays. I, I'd put J- this guy named Drew Garabo who does nights on my uh, radio IO show. Well, we 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 used to joke about it, Bubba, because Billy Madison turned the job down because he wanted to bring his whole cast down here, which you know Danielle and I were kind of locked into the position, and uh, then he wanted to start running. I guess he had an automotive shop in Oklahoma, and he wanted us to run commercials for it in Oklahoma. So we we just talk about that. Drew was just so happy to get an offer on radio that we're so we everybody was so glad that Billy Madison turned down the deal because he wasn't going to take that kind of money. So that was kind of where the joke came from: is that Billy Madison didn't want the gig, right? But really, Drew Drew knows, and so and just like Mike knows, I. Said so. I went to Mike and I go. Listen, it's not eighty, but they can get you sixty. But I'll pay you. I'll pay you 
the the additional twenty thousand from from my business. So he was getting you know a check from me every two weeks and a check from Cox for for every two weeks. And sweet deal for him. Yeah. And 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 look, look I mean, he's one of the ones that has has backstabbed me as bad as the rest of them have, right? Like that whole building fucked me. That right. whole building fucked All me right. over. You know what? Hey, easy, big fella. Easy. Did it not? No, I, they did. They the did. The whole building fucked me over. It started with Calta, uh, you know, it, tr- starting the whole, you know, Bubba's not a team player. Bubba's not in the building. Bubba doesn't come over here. He doesn't care about us. And look what, and, and then look where he, what he became. He doesn't go to the building, right? That's what I hear. He doesn't, he doesn't go to the building. That's what I hear. And, and he thinks he's all that. Yes. And, uh, you know, everybody, everybody's afraid of him. Yes. That's how I was. Yeah. Until it wasn't. But I got to tell you, Cox has got to be in trouble. Did you see the big headlines yesterday where Cox is trying to sell off radio, but they can't find anybody to buy it? <laughs> That's a- no, Apollo Global Management is trying to sell Cox, but they can't find anybody that will want that. No, nobody is buying radio stations. Well, I mean, right now. I think when you see Odyssey going bankrupt, I, I think you probably go, I don't know if this is the best time to get in the radio business. And especially getting into a radio, the radio business that doesn't have a solid plan to ease into the fully digital future. I would want to make sure I saw a plan about that before I bought anybody. But yeah, I mean, Bob, it's not a great time. Is somebody going to buy newspapers right now? I mean, it's the same thing. Yeah. I don't know what that does for the employment over there. Do they just keep on keeping on? Ah, or do they eventually, you know, do they make some changes over there? I only care about about three or four people over there. Bubba. John Senning, uh, Drew Garabo. Danielle. <clears throat> and I don't know Danielle. Is she that cute, really, really cute one? Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I guess. She she used to work with us at 97X. Now she does the morning show for 94.9. So she's been there for a while. Really? Yes. All right. Well, hello, Danielle. And then... I'm trying to think somebody if there's anybody else. How about like um how about like I the, like Monica. Oh I know just eat I know Jesus, what a fucking she, I don't she's a, you know she's just fucking hideous. It's a Bills fan. She's hideous. She's hideous in her fucking commentary. She's hideous in her staff. Let 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 the t- <clears throat> Roger and JP be Roger. Stop chiming in with your snowflake flake liberal buffalo and I'm glad this guy fucking you know what, Monica, bitch. I'm glad your field goal kicker choked. Oh, Tyler Bass? <laughs> yeah, here it is. Oh, you, did you know you sent me the Mexican feed, you dumbass? No, it's, uh, I think it's like Korean, Bubba. That's why I wanted to get the reaction of the miss. Oh, okay. We know what it sounds like, but, you know, in English. <clears throat> so, it's fourth quarter. It's fourth and nine. KC's up three points. 27-24. And this ties the game with a minute 47 left. And it, and it really, by all means, looks like kind of a what is it? It's okay. The, it's it's a forty-five yarder. It's a forty-five-yarder. And by NFL standards, this is a fucking you know. Hey, you don't want to say it's this a, is an eight. This is a seventy-five to eighty percent make. Uh, and he's a great kicker too. 오른쪽으로 나오면서 시간을 벌어봤지만 오픈된 리시버를 찾을 수 없었습니다. 44 거리입니다. 타일러 베스. 
were those guys rooting for the Chiefs? That's funny as yeah. shit, man. Man, I was watching the Packer game, and it was just obvious that they were, they were pulling for the fucking Niners. Can I tell you, everybody that ever, everybody that thinks their team is losing always thinks the commentators are rooting for the other team. But I'm going to tell you something, man. The refs, the refs. Anytime they could, they could spot the ball with it fucking the Packers. They did. They they had they had the worst spots ever. Packers beat themselves. The guy. I mean, they they dropped they dropped two interception and one of which was a pick six. The one yes. the one. I mean, they dropped two interception and one was a fucking straight walk in pick six. You know what, man? It's just they have the best running back in the league, Christian McCaffrey. It's that they've got weapons to where. If yeah, but goes, hold on, man. Fucking Aaron Jones was way more of a factor than Christian McCaffrey. Aaron Jones. Aaron Jones was great, but when you when the you, Packers lost when they abandoned the run. Well, when you fall behind, I mean, it's you know you gotta start. Glad it. It's been great. Are you Canadian? Uh, of course I am. You- this is uh, this is a. A UFC fighter. Oh, was it Sean? Is he Sean Strickland? I think so. I think he just lost this weekend. And this was last week promoting this pay-per-view. And I guess this guy said some outlandish things and things like this, this this Strickland fighter. Yeah, Sean Strickland. And he said some stuff over the years, and this 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 guy wants to try to call him out it's on it. It's a good it. little Can back you? and forth. It is. Uh, of course I am. Are you part of the fucking opposition? Are you? Uh, I don't know how to phrase that. You, I mean, you got like fucking... Uh, yeah. Well, I did want to ask you... Did you vote for Trudeau? Uh, you know, I'm not going to say. Yes, by the way, this, uh, this, <laughs> this UFC guy is a Canadian. <laughs> and... and and, they're ta- and he's talking to a Canadian, and I think they're in Canada. Okay. And let me tell you something right now. If a man says he's not going to say, like, if you ask a motherfucker, did you vote for Biden? He's like, well, I'm not going to say. That's none of your business. He voted for fucking Biden. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on. Sean, so, hey. Sean, I'm glad you've had great experiences. So this is Our, this is what I'm talking about, you guys. The enemy. The enemy of Canada. Sure, sure. All right. That's what it's got to be. It's got to be. Yeah. Uh, we've got a pretty supportive gay and lesbian yeah. community in this city. I did want to ask you about something you wrote a couple of years ago. You said, if I had a gay son, I would think I Oh, well, look, another, another reason I'm saying in the swamp, you guys. The swamp. You become a champion, you become a star, and, and someone says, "Let me ask you something. Are you are you are you gay? Are, I had the chance no, to come back with a are, more diverse. Are you? Let me. Are, are you gay? Can I hear? Can I get an answer? To well, no, I'm asking. I'm, this is a part of. Are you are you a gay man? I'm an ally of the community. Okay. If you had a son and he was like, you know, yeah, son, he was gay, you'd be like, oh man, you don't you don't want a grandkid? No problem with it. Oh man, well, dude, you're a weak fucking man, dude. You're like <laughs> you're part of the fucking problem. You elected Justin Trudeau, like when you fucking when he sees the bank accounts, like you're just yeah. Like, I don't want to hear anybody say that Dana White makes his makes his guys say any certain thing because it would be like <laughs> well, this is prime example that they let it rip over there. Bubba, right? At, at one point, you'll see he looks over and he's like, oh, I said I was gonna be on my best behavior. He's like, Am I doing okay? And yeah. then they said no. He's like, What do you mean? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> fucking pathetic. And and the fact that the fact that you have no fucking backbone and and has he shut down your fucking country and seized bank accounts, you ask me some stupid shit like that, go fuck yourself. Move the fuck on, man. <laughs> Don't you wish, man, that the NFL oh, would let the players run this loose? You can't even, you can barely talk about a referee without them finding you. In the NFL, man, you cannot say, like Mark, Mike, Mark, I'm sorry, Matt LaFleur could not have said in his post-game conference on Sunday, you know what, man? I think the referees really hosed us a few times on some spots. I really, they will fucking fine your ass and, and, and eventually fire you. Yes. But here at here, here every sport. In every sport. Like, man, that, that I think the refs, ref, refs might have missed three or four fucking traveling calls tonight, man. I mean, LeBron was really carrying the ball. 
Fuck. $100,000 fine for the questioning of the integrity of the fucking referees. Bone and, and has he shut down your fucking country and seized bank accounts? You ask me some stupid shit like that? Go fuck yourself. Marshawn Lynch would have taken interviews to the next level if he uh, would have been able to tell people to go fuck themselves. I think that's what Marshawn was pretty much saying when I think it, so his own too. words. Yeah, go fuck yourself. Go fuck on, man. Really, that doesn't really coward. answer the question, but I did want to ask also things you said about the trans community. You said uh, this past October when they announced the Bud Light sponsorship that you'd go so hard on Bud Light in your next fight, they'll have to accept me or denounce me when uh, when they know what and will know what they stand for. Are you this guy's like that. This Canadian's not that Canadian. Are you still going to use your fight time to kind of speak on that? Here's the thing about Bud Light. Is he drunk? Here's the thing about Bud Light. No, I don't think so at all. I think he's trying to cover his ass right now. Okay. Because <laughs> I think like... I think at this point I think at this point corporate I think corporate I think he's finally he, he was running a little bit loose, running a little hot, pushing water, and then you know Bud Light now is arguably one of the UFC's main sponsors. Like they stepped like listen, Bud Light brilliantly has strategically got with the Kid Rocks and the UFCs, and they have Kid Rocks cool again. Uh, yeah, they bought off Kid Rock. Oh, did they? they good. They bought them off. I hate seeing Bob Ritchie, man. I, I love him. And so you know, then they went to the UFC. They went to two, and then then. Don't forget the Emmett Smith and Peyton Manning commercial oh, for them, I mean, right? Yep, yep. So they went and found the most manliest men. Who the fuck doesn't like Emmett Smith and Peyton Manning? Who the fuck doesn't like, you know, uh, Kid Rock? Who the fuck doesn't <laughs> like UFC? And they strategically put a ton of advertising dollars into these real fucking macho man, kick ass, fucking manly alpha sports. And this guy realizes, hmm, I can fucking run a little bit loose when it's just making fun of some, you know, reporter. But now I'm talking about, and I and I did talk shit about now probably our biggest client. And Dana won't fire me or fuck you know fuck with me on me telling this guy to go fuck off. He has no spine. But if I jeopardize that forty six million dollar contract that Bud Light just signed. I could maybe catch some heat on that deal, Bubba. <clears throat> so you, I think he kind of, I think he kind of goes into cover his ass corporate mode here a little do bit. Do you give the reporter any credit because he's really no, I do a ton. He's really hanging in there. I mean, and this is very intense. Like a lot of reporters freak out. Like if an athlete says that's a dumb question, I mean, but this guy is coming hard. Oh and, yeah, and he's hanging and, and right not, in and not, and he's relentless. Yeah, like he ain't stopping. <laughs> and 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 <laughs> and, and, Bud Light and, and hold on. <laughs> And trip up questions, too. Yeah. Right? Like well, he was ready to go on the gay thing, but right. the Bud Light, he needs some time. Are going to use your fight time to kind of speak on that? Here's the thing about Bud Light. Here's the thing about Bud Light. <laughs> See? <he's>, <laughs> yeah. yeah uh, <laughs> Ten years ago, to be trans was a, what, a mental fucking illness. And now, all of a sudden, people like you have fucking weaseled your way in the world. You are, you are an infection. You are the definition of weakness. Everything that is wrong with the world is because of fucking you. And the best thing is, is the world's not buying it. The world's not buying your fucking bullshit you're fucking peddling. The world is not saying, you know what? You're right. Fucking chicks have dicks. The world's not saying that. The world's saying, no, there are two genders. I don't want my kids being taught about, you know, who they could fucking school. I don't want my kids being taught about, you know, their sexual preference. Like, dude, this guy is a fucking enemy. You- <laughs> this, is, this guy's getting called the fuck out. But I do, Seth, you're right. I give it to the dude for sitting there and taking it, right? <laughs> want to look at the fucking enemy to our world? It's that motherfucker right there. <laughs> 
That's a lot of these stupid fucking questions. Sorry, I'm, I, I told the UFC I was being nicer. Lance, am, Lance, am I am I still good with this? Am I, did I cross any lines? Yeah. Lord, what the fuck? I didn't say the F word. You just brought this fucking guy in here to piss me off. Wait, I mean, he, that's, that's classic heat reversal, is it just, not? Did he just say, I didn't say, the, he, so he didn't say the F word for like a gay slur. So right. It's okay, to, it's okay to make fun of, you know, gays and he, slurs he, and he all nine yards. To, but as long as you don't say the F word while doing it, it's okay. Could you imagine if that's the promise that he had to make Dana White and the PR team before he goes out there? That he just won't say fuck? Yeah. No, oh, no, no. The other, the, the slur for gays. Now, you uh, you sent me a, a, an Alex Stein thingy. Yes, I pay attention to Alex Stein. I'm a huge mark. So what did you send me? Here? Well, there's this guy named it's a Charleston White. I believe Charleston White or Charleston Wright. I believe Charleston White. And he's very famous for whatever reason. He gives a lot of reaction stuff online. And he's very popular. Like, he did a comedy show a few weeks ago. He got jumped at his comedy show. And then he went on Instagram Live and was talking about how much money he has. Interesting guy. Anyways, Alex Stein said he is shooting a movie with this man, in Dallas, Texas, and this apparently is a scene that Alex tweeted out. This is a scene from the movie. Okay. So him and this guy named, what's his name? A Charleston White. Charleston White, and he's big, he's big on everywhere. Uh, yes, I believe, yes. He's African-American man. Yes. And supposedly Alex Stein shooting a movie with this guy in Dallas? Yes. And this is a scene that Alex has tweeted out. That is correct. I got some landscaping skills behind me. help me out. Come on. And let me tell you something. I know your criminal history, Mr. White. I know it's tough to come up with a job, but I'm going to let you make it. I want two months rent in the next seven days. I can't be worrying about your grandbabies. I got a kid and a wife to feed and shelter, all right? So I'm going to be back in a few days. You understand me, Mr. White? What do you think, solid acting job? I mean, is he the white landlord that's trying to that's trying to fucking keep the black man down? Well, I, mean, I don't like, know. What, what is going on? You know, here? Stein's into so many things. I don't even know if this is real or not. But I mean, you know, I had to I had to send it to you. Now here is this guy, this Cameron white guy. No, no, he's black. I'm sorry. What's that's, his name? That's Cameron. Cameron. He's a rapper. Yeah. I'm sorry. I thought his name was Cameron White. No. No. Oh, oh, Charleston White. Yeah, Charleston White. Yeah. Okay. I thought you were talking about the guy on the screen right now, Cameron. Oh, so they're two different people? Charleston White, yeah. yeah. Right. So Charleston White was the guy that was just with Alex Stein. Yes. This guy in here is named Cameron. He's a rapper. And he's a rapper. And he does a he does a podcast with Mace that they do almost every day, and O.J. Simpson is a reoccurring guest. Really? <clears throat> yeah, they have him on weekly. All right. And and this is these are ex, this is an excerpt from uh his podcast. It it is what it is. Yes, they said that uh, OJ got a little gangster when uh he was talking about his past. You think I'm going to shoot the fair one with Ben? You out your mind, nigga 610. I'm going straight, nigga. The shit that I'm going to do is ridiculous. I'm from the danger zone. You got to Google that shit. Oh, go to I mean, like, hold, 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 hold on, hold on, You think I'm going <laughs> to So, like, deep, deep urban shit, like the way black guys really, really talk, is that a, that's probably a pretty pretty popular niche, is it not? I would think so. I mean, they were both, I mean, remember Mace was with P. Diddy and Cameron was big. So these are both pretty big rappers. And they usually talk about, I mean, they normally talk about sports. You think I'm going to shoot the field one with Ben? You out your mind, nigga 6'10". I'm going straight, nigga. The shit that I'm going to do is ridiculous. I'm from the danger zone. You got to Google that shit. Oh, go, go Google <laughs> Lennox Avenue, the danger zone. Go Google Lennox Avenue, the danger zone. So he's, he's got OJ. <laughs> Look at OJ up there. He's got OJ. And then he's got, you know, Cameron. 
on one side. Now, who's the the female? I don't I don't know. She's she's pretty attractive. Yeah, no, they they. And they, then is that Mace? That's uh, Mace in the top right, opposite of OJ. Yes. Okay. Just on one thirty ninth Street. See what see what we do for a living. <laughs> and when you come back next week, you'd be like, "Oh, Kim, you from over there?" <laughs> My <laughs> well, San Francisco Trail Hill projects. Oh, I spent some time oh, in some oh, other oh, kind shit. of projects. Nope. <laughs> I spent some time in some other kind of projects yeah, too. <laughs> Yo, oh, let me tell you something about I that can real tell quick. You, this, Go ahead. you ain't never heard nobody fuck with me. <laughs> oh. I mean, what OJ, the fuck, OJ, man? but OJ is right. Like nobody's ever fucked with OJ. Well, OJ may have, you know, fucked with some people, but nobody fucks with OJ. Well, nobody really knows where OJ is. If OJ went out into a crowd, and I think people would fuck with OJ, but he's doing a good, I don't know, is he in Vegas? He's somewhere. I, but I'm thinking he's saying, like, when he was a younger guy, yeah. nobody was fucking with him because no. he's because he's, cause he's kind of a thug. Well, nobody fucked with him then, and nobody is going to, you know, again, not many people are going to fuck with him now because of what he allegedly did, but what he was talking about, he was from the other projects. I think he was referring to jail, right? Yes. Okay. All right. Yes. You ain't never heard nobody fuck with me. <laughs> Yo, how me and you get in the beef? I ain't even, I'm not beefing with you. How me and you get in the beef? We ain't talking about I'm Ben Simmons. I'm going to help you with Ben. All right, my nigga. There we go. That's my man. man I wish I you think I'm going to shoot the fair one with Ben? You out your mind, nigga 6'10". I'm going to how do you how do you have OJ in your show every week and not just think every single time that he allegedly murdered his wife and her boyfriend? You know, I had him. I had him on ninety eight. Right, I know it was. I remember, Bub. It was a big deal back in the day. I was in college. It was yeah. fucking massive. How did you do that? Um, I just he was in town. Uh, this is for, fresh off the murder. Yeah, this is fresh off the murder, and, and he was in town with David Marshlack and Hamill, and my sister was going to be the person that was asking the questions, and it was uh, they. It was like. Did OJ do it? And and it was did OJ or askoj.com. It was askoj.com. And it was a question and answer session hosted by my sister. And they paid OJ like twenty five or fifty thousand dollars. And it was gonna be like, you know, ninety-nine cents or a dollar ninety-nine a question. And you can ask him any questions you want. This was his his deal? This was these two local business guys' oh, okay. deals who brought him in town. My sister worked for them. It was the voyeur dorm people. Of course, okay. <clears throat> and uh, they had money over money over money. And OJ needed some after that and, trial, yeah, right? Exactly. So they had, I think they gave him like 50 grand. And, you know, that you, it was askoj.com, hosted by my sister. And he was going to be, and he was on my show to promote this particular, you know, this particular promotion. And after having him on for an hour, he's so persuasive. That that I, he almost had me believing that he didn't do it. Of course, because he's because he's so persuasive. Were you talking openly about it? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Man. Now, so three Kansas City Chiefs people died. So they froze to death. Bubba, I don't. This story is it's kind of weird. I read the whole thing and I still don't fully understand. This was, I believe, it was uh, early in January after a Chiefs game. Apparently. Three guys were with their friend in the in the guy's backyard, and for some reason, for whatever reason, I believe three of the people froze to death, and the guy was living his life in his house and didn't know that his friends in the backyard were frozen to death, 
even after like people's girlfriends and fiancés were openly looking for these guys that were frozen. And he and he didn't know that they were in the backyard frozen. He did, but that's what that's what I'm saying. Like, I did he really, kill him? Maybe I wanted you to check out the story because I wanted to see what you thought about it. Because I just I don't understand at all. Three Kansas City Chiefs fans found frozen to death to death outside friends' home. Uh, New York Post. <clears throat> um, let me see. They have any sound on this deal? Oh, yeah, here we go. Oh, it's just one of these kind of deals. Yeah. All right, it's, it's just like a speaking deal. All right, hold on. So, a Kansas City man whose friend's frozen corpse were found in his backyard two days after they had gathered to watch the Chiefs game claims he had no knowledge of the tragedy. How do you not know that three three of your buddies are still in the back froze? But how do three guys, like, how does, how does one not get up and go, I'm, I'm starting to get cold, I better go somewhere? <laughs> yeah, or, yeah, like exactly. He, There's some shady shit here. This ain't quite like what it says. Kansas City police currently do not suspect foul play in the deaths of Ricky Johnson, Clayton McKinney, and David Harrington, ages 38, 36, and 37. So they're not even saying the dude that lives there is really a prime suspect but, for anything bad. But these guys, fr- I mean, Bubba, I don't understand. How do you freeze to death? I don't know. How, you're, you know why? You're so dr- fucking drunk. No. That you pass out, you pass out in the cold because you're so drunk. And by the time that it, your body was naturally wake up from its drunkenness, it's now frozen to death. But what did this guy think for days when the people were looking for? I don't know. Them? Sorry, I'm drunk. You're uh, not being interrogated. <laughs> Telling Fox News Digital first and foremost, this case is 100% not being investigated as a homicide. Family and friends of the three football fans have taken to social media to, to question the motives of the unnamed homeowner. So the friends and family are like, what the fuck? How does this dude not know? Right? Yeah, I'm just... I'm... This man was inside his home alive while my friends were dead in his yard for lo- Lord knows how long. He knew people were looking for them. He read messages of people searching for him. <clears throat> Yeah, how do you not, you know, how do you not look at your Facebook and you see everybody and their brothers looking for your three friends and you not know that the last time you saw your three friends, they were in your own fucking backyard. Wouldn't you open up the back curtain and say, holy shit, they're back there. I would assume so. I mean, I know you don't pay attention to your surroundings a lot, but I think you would know if me and and, and Lummy and Rhett were out back freezing to death. Well, that's why I'm saying it's such a, go ahead. Uh, John Pearsonero, an attorney representing the homeowner, insists that this client had no idea his friends were dead until the police knocked down his door. Yeah. I, I mean, it shows that, you how stupid Kansas City Chiefs fans are. Is that not a Netflix uh, movie documentary <clears throat> waiting to happen or something? Oh, it is. I mean, that is freaky, man. What are, are you currently watching anything right now? Speaking of Netflix, no, Bubba, I don't watch anything but sports, man. I don't watch. Uh, I don't watch any shows at all. I'm waiting. Curb Your Enthusiasm comes back, I believe, the first week of February, and uh, I'll be watching. Now, that, now, is this isn't this supposedly the last yes, season? It's the last season. 
to last season. I don't know. Have you seen the trailer for it? No, have you? Oh, my God, man. Everybody's in it this year. Vince Vaughn, Ted Danson, Leon, um, the chick. Well, that Leon's was- a, I mean, an ongoing character, Yeah, right? no, I know. But they just, in the, in the highlights that they were showing, I mean, pretty much every everybody's making it. Richard Lewis, everybody's going to be on it this year. Did you see Ryan, Sand, uh, Ryan Sandberg, your, your Chicago Cub? Uh, is got prostate cancer? No. Yeah, look at Chicago uh, Cubs Hall of Famer Ryan Sandberg, who, which by the way, is one of my favorite Cubs. Reveals he's battling prostate cancer, promising fans that he'll continue to be positive, strong. Prostate cancer is not <clears throat> is not a good thing. Of, yeah, no, of course not. Oh man, being I had no a, idea. Being a Cubs guy, were you? I mean, I'm sorry. Being a, a White Sox guy, did you? You had to have some Cubs that you kind of liked. Well, I liked the Cubs early on um, because I didn't know. My parents didn't tell me I was born on the south side of Chicago for a while, and the Cubs were on WGN all the time. So right. I was a Cubs fan back then. Like, I loved Rhino. I loved Andre Dawson, Sean Dunstan, Rick Sutcliffe. Like, I loved all those guys. Bill Buckner. <laughs> Bill Buckner. He uh, played, you know he played for the Cubs? That's what I hear, yeah. Mark yeah. Grace. Yeah, all those guys. So, yeah, it's uh, that's, that's bad now, is, news. Is, but... is Pauly Shore... So desperate for promotion on his new biopic that I don't think anybody really gives a fuck about that he's got to create some type of shitstorm about it so that people might check it out because there's been zero buzz about well the Polly Shore biopic. <laughs> well, the buzz was that Richard Lewis, Richard Simmons, I'm sorry, Richard Simmons was against <clears throat> it, but now he's for it, right? Hey, everybody, you must have heard the that. May be doing a movie about me with Polly Shore. I have never given my permission for this movie, so don't believe anything you read. I have no long I, I I no longer have a manager. I no longer have a publicist. I just try to live a quiet life, peaceful. Thank you for all your love and support, Richard Simmons. <clears throat> I wonder what modern day Richard Simmons is looking like. Oh no, I don't think well. I don't. I think that's why he doesn't really leave his house that much. I mean, remember people didn't know if he was dead or alive for a, a long time. Yeah, when they he were, <clears throat> when he was alive, they were doing podcasts about him. Like, is Richard Simmons alive? Now I know Polly Shore, and I don't think that anybody in L.A. airport is going to walk up and ask for a big ass autograph the way this guy. I think this is this entire thing is staged from TMZ. Well, from Paulie's Paulie's people, publicist and manager, you go hire a paparazzi, you tell him what flight Paulie and his girlfriend are be coming in on, you give him a list of questions, and then you have another jobber come up and ask for an autograph for effect. Man, okay. That's the way shit happens. I want to see. <clears throat> I haven't seen this yet. Watch. Hey, Paulie. Richard Simmons just came out with a statement saying he doesn't approve of your new film. Anything you want to say to him? Every day's a different day, and you never know what he's going to say the next day. <laughs> do, you ho- do you hope he hears this? Well, I love Richard, and um, you know what? I'm, I'm kind of just feeding off the people on the, online. Hey, there's so many things said about this film that this film should not be made without Richard's blessing. It's like this guy, this guy has a full-blown piece of paper online. <laughs> hey, can, there's so many. Can you see? Yeah. Can you see where this looks staged? Well, can I? Can I just take a guess that they're landing in LAX and, yeah. and maybe there's people that just wait for celebrities all day 
I mean, because you're probably going to. I mean, look. Pauly Shore. I've seen stuff bubble with wrestlers before where, like, you know, wrestlers get off the flight and there's, like, seven people standing there yeah, waiting yeah. for I've them. I've seen that before. That. I've seen that a lot, too. And I can't I can't imagine that they're all waiting for Pauly Shore. I, listen, I got off planes in our various Bubba Palooza cities and there would be 15 or 20 Bubba Army waiting for us to get out of the gate and have, you know, autographs and coolers and beers and weed and, and all kinds of so shit. So what? If you had 20 Bubba Army people waiting, why is it that far-fetched that there could have been two Autograph seekers uh, for Pauly Shore, the when, weasel when's the baby. Last time, when's the last time he's been relevant or had anything? Um, I mean, really, never. Okay. So. <laughs> he said about this film that this film should not be made without Richard's blessing. And, and again, let me show you that. Let me just give you a couple things. He is looking one, just like Richard Simmons, one, man. One thing, this isn't a picture of him, or this isn't like, you know, from his MTV days or a headshot. This is just a plain piece of paper. Yes. So that's number one. That's, you know... This guy could still sell it on eBay, though. This film should not be made without Richard's blessing. What would you say to the people? Well, if you know anything about me, I don't come from a vindictive place. I've never came from that. So, you know, I think my whole attitude, I think, is if you build it, he'll come. Oh. So my hoping, I hope that once he sees the, uh, the short, he sees kind of what we're wanting to do with it. That he'll change, change his tune. I love him, and I love what he represents, which is why we want to do it. You know, he's such a great character, and it'd be a good, good opportunity for me to get get back out there as well. So. <laughs> yeah, and people miss me, and they miss him. Boy, yeah, boy, somebody, somebody overshot a couple of those thoughts right there. <clears throat> yeah, that's mishandling at its finest. People miss me and they miss him. I'm gonna get back out there. Yeah, they miss uh, me and they miss him. You got to put a sex <clears throat> tape, man, if you want to get back out there. Hey, uh, did you hear me describe the the? I forgot. There's been two Bubba sex tapes before. The one Bubba sex tape that got you know really the Bubba sex tape that got me in trouble and I lost everything over was really sex tape three. I didn't. What what with the other sex tapes? Yeah. With, there with was, the one with Tony Stewart and Deion Sanders? No, would you stop that shit? No, I didn't. I <clears throat> no. What sex tapes with whom? Me and me and my friend had a threesome with Rebecca. Okay, that Holly found and her entire family watched. Was that a dude? What? <clears throat> two dudes? Yeah, two dudes and a girl. <laughs> and the girl that I was engaged to took the tape, which I thought you know was I I just done a Fox Thirteen interview. And I just I overdubbed the the sex part on the on the Fox 13 deal. Um, she goes to have Thanksgiving with her family. She grabs the Fox 13 tape to pay for the entire family. The entire family's gathered around, you know, ready to watch. But Holly's fiance's, you know, Channel 13 story, Come and it's on. me fucking me and this dude fucking Rebecca. Shut up, man. For real. Oh my god. And then the other sex tape was when. Holly put a tape recorder underneath my seat of my car after she had left to go to her nursing gig, and I got in my bins and was talking all kinds of shit about be like, what's up, Rebecca? I'm coming over here, man. Yeah, Holly's gone. Fuck that bitch. You know what I'm saying? Fuck her. <laughs> oh my God. A tape recorder. <laughs> yeah. Realistic tape recorder. Man. Then I came home the next morning because she, you know, she worked nights, so by the time I had already, I was working at 98 Rock doing mornings, so by the time I, and, and I would, you know, do mornings, and I'd go over and shoot quarters with the boys over at CNS Upholstery, <clears throat> and I just, I was living by, you know where Steak and, uh, Steak and Lube is? That little community back there, like, Ste you know where, the, you know where, Quaker Steak and Lube? Yeah, 
Like Largo? Yeah, like in Pinellas Park. Yeah, yeah. While I was building my big house, I lived in this little house over there for two years while I was building my big house. And so I used to go over and shoot quarters at the upholstery shop. And I wouldn't get home till like 2 o'clock because I was just fucking around all day. I get home at 2 o'clock. I paged her like two or three times. Bitch didn't didn't call me back, which seemed, seemed odd. So I walk in the garage, and, and something seems like a like there seems like there's a lot of things that are missing, like like her bike and all this kind of shit. So I walk in the house, all the furniture's gone, all of her shit's gone, and there's one cassette tape sitting on the counter. Mm. And so I'm that's it, <clears throat> that's it. So I put it in. I go I go out to my bins because that's the only thing I can think I got it has a tape recorder in it. I, I, and I put it through the sound system, and you hear me like, "This is all you hear is like dialing." Because I had a, you know, I was a bad. I had an S six hundred, Seth. I had a two thousand. It was a ninety nine or a two thousand S six hundred V twelve, and it was had like hands free. You know how you could talk. You could talk uh, speakerphone through the car. You're such a poon hound back then, and um, and uh, so I'm on the phone with Rebecca, and she's like. Did that? Did, are you on your way here? I'm like, yeah, fuck that bitch. She's out of here. You know, I don't like her anymore, baby. You know, I love you and everything. Fuck Holly. She's a bitch. I hate her. Jeez, man. She's like, you, when are you going to finally pull the trigger and get rid of her? I'm like, you know, baby, I'm going to do it any day. You know what I'm saying? I'm, I'm going to go get some of that pussy today. Get that pussy ready for me. <laughs> <clears throat> She's like, I know, but what about Holly? I'm like, fuck Holly, man. I'm, I'm over that bitch. Fuck her. And then, so that's what the tape, and so that's what the tapes, you know, Sounded like, oh, man. That was, you know, sex tape two. Then sex tape three, of course, changed my life forever. Yeah. That's why I'm with you fucking hey. doing this podcast. Oh, boy. Sorry <laughs> to remind you of your downfall. Yeah. We probably should go. Yeah. I think it would be a good time to run the fuck boy oh. right up to the top and be out done with this thing. Oh, shit. Selena Gomez. Sorry. They got her up there. And... Clem Kush, official owner. He is a dude. She is hot. He's very funny. He wants more money. For my time, he's got anxiety, he's got depression, he takes pills so he doesn't lose his mind, he's just a fuck boy, he's not your boy toy, he is our sexy boy, he's not your boy toy, direct deposits, he's making profits. He's picking pockets when his daughter's around. He's throwing dumbbells. He's building muscles. He's digging tunnels deep under the ground. He's just a fuck boy. He's not your boy toy. He is our Sethy boy. He's not your boy toy. 